We're going to continue in our series today on the King's mission. The King's mission. And Jesus is that King we're referring to. Last week, Pastor Mike preached about Jesus having a heart for people who are without a shepherd. He called those 12 and sent them out to proclaim the good news of Christ. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to heal every affliction and every disease. This passage here today is more of a specific passage to these 12. Jesus is not telling us here today we are not to preach to a Gentile or probably we would not preach to anyone in Detroit. We are mostly Gentiles. Now you go to Southfield, you're going to find a lot of Jewish people. But this is a specific commission for these 12 for that time. But I do believe there's some abiding principles in this passage that we can acquire today for our lives. We know in Matthew 28, Jesus gives his disciples what is called the, the Great Commission. And we still operate under that commission, going and telling the whole world about Jesus. And we're sent out to make disciples, baptizing and teaching those that we baptize to obey God. We are commanded out of the Great Commission in Matthew 28 to preach the gospel to every creature. So here is a more limited scope, a more limited commission to a specific group of men who had a specific job in that moment. But again, I think this will be applicable to us. And it's not just applicable if I'm a full-time pastor. Now, I get paid by Restore Church, as Pastor Mike and Pastor Nick do. But this isn't just for me. I believe that this is for every one of us in here, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a mom that works out in the workforce, whether you're an electrician, whether you're retired, it doesn't really matter. This message is for you. Now, if you're a lazy bum, we'll talk about that. But uh, still for you. Still for you. When we come to Christ, we are babes in the faith, the Bible says. We have come to Christ, we're babes. And unfortunately, a lot of us stay babes. And we never grow up into adulthood or are actually called on the mission of God in our mind. And that's where a lot of us stop is coming to a church and just consuming. Because that's what babies do. If I go in the nursery, I don't think I'm going to find any of the babies helping the workers out changing diapers. That's not their mission, is it? Uh, or, or they're not going to, well, they might corral another kid, but it's usually out of selfishness and not out of helping. Babes don't help, or babies don't help you out. They need full attention. And Jesus had just given his disciples his full attention for a number of years, teaching them. And now he's telling them, it's your time to go out and represent me. 
And he has that for each one of us. He's telling us, it's your time to go represent me. Stop being a baby. Stop consuming. Stop making it all about you. It's all about me. Because that actually is what worship is. All about Jesus. All about praising him. Making him famous and not ourselves. So there's four points. Every person has to have four points, right? So I figured out four points out of this. No, I didn't force it, but I got four Ps. Um, not the green ones, but the, the yeah. Um, the first one is people. People. Jesus gave these disciples a people who they were to go to. Jesus had a people. Now, these people were the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The lost sheep of the house of Israel. Not to the Gentiles, not to the Samaritans who were of mixed race, but to the Jewish people. He wanted them to go to the people who were actually looking for a Messiah. For, for a people who were actually looking for the person of Jesus to come. He was looking for the people who would be most receptive to that message. Now, if a Gentile happened to be in the midst, they weren't commanded not to talk to them and preach the gospel to them. This is more specific of don't go to that town. Don't go to that city. So if a Gentile was there, they could talk to him. Jesus wasn't saying alienate them. If a Samaritan was there, they could talk to him. But their focus was supposed to be on the Jewish people. Paul, even in the beginning of Romans, talks about, um, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. He had a mission too. But who did Paul end up really talking to a lot? The Gentiles, right? So it was for a specific time that it was for the Jews there. Now, when we started Restore Church, we had a tagline, a mission statement. It was to show and tell the gospel to every man, woman, boy, and girl in the 48202 and 40. 48206, to make disciples who make disciples. Who heard that when we used to say that all the time? Yeah, many of you used to hear that. That was the people group God had called Restore to and still calls Restore to. The people of the state. Yesterday, we went out sharing the gospel, passing out flyers, praying for people in the 48206 at Family Foods right on Rosa Parks. Why did we go there? That's who... We live around. That's who we are with. That's where this church is located. Now, I am not called to Mac and Bewick on the other side, but there's churches that are. I got a, a great brother in the faith, Mac uh, uh, Community Church over there that's doing good work. They're over there on Mac Avenue. I'm not called to Mac Avenue. I'm not called to Garden City. Now, we have a church over there that we help plant in Garden City, but I am not called to go out to Garden City to proclaim the gospel of those people. Now, if I happen to be in Garden City, 
I got no problem proclaiming the gospel. But that's not where God has put me. Where has God put you? Who has God put you around? He has a specific people that he has put you around. Your neighborhood. Maybe it's where you work out. Maybe it's where you work. Your own family. God has given you a specific mission field to your own family. And he's saying, go. Go. This Wednesday night, we'll be going out in the neighborhood and praying for people. Now, we're not going to drive up to Pontiac and do that. Why? That's not our specific group who God has called us to minister to and to proclaim the gospel to. But we hope that the gospel goes there and God sends people there and we want to partner with people in other places. But God has given us a specific people and given you a specific people. It's where you live, where you eat, where you recreate, all those things. God has placed people in your sphere just like he did for his own disciples. We are called to share the gospel to a people. Starts with the family and works out. Now, the second P is proclamation. What are we to proclaim? And Jesus tells them, you are to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, this is akin to what we call gospel conversations. Well, what is a gospel conversation? What is the kingdom of heaven is at hand? In the book of Matthew, 30 times the kingdom of heaven is at hand is found. Matthew 3, John the baptizer says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, Jesus says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is come near. This message to repent is very offensive to the person being told to repent. This is a, an offensive message. And so you understand why Jesus was saying some of the things he said in these passages. Because I don't care how winsome you think you may be, if I tell you you're wrong or you tell me I'm wrong, we're going to probably look at each other a little sideways. And that's what repentance is. Telling someone they're in the wrong. Something is wrong. I certainly don't like being told to repent, but I need to repent, do I not? What is repentance? It's a changing of our minds to reflect what God thinks about a particular issue. And we are told all the time what we are to think about particular issues in our lives. Culture's telling us, society's telling us, the church is telling us, everyone's got an opinion what does God say? That's what we really want to know. What is his mind on a matter? And when we know his mind on a matter, we can make a correct decision whether to do something or not do something. Because it's God's ways. Now when we proclaim, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that's going to be offensive. But to some people, it's going to bring life and hope going, you know what? I knew something was messed up. And I now have clarity on what God wants out of life. 
Not how I want to live it. So it could be offensive to some, but there's others that will go, I needed that. I am a new person. But too many times what we want to do is we want to soft sell the gospel. I wonder why when COVID hit, a lot of people quit going to church. Because we've soft sold what it means to be a Christian. Jesus said, when you say something, tell them to repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I don't know of a winsome way to really say that other than to just say it. What makes this message so offensive to a lot of people is they feel judged. And sometimes they are right because somebody telling them to repent is just as wicked as they are. It's just a different wickedness. You may get the accusation of judgmentalism that flies out of a person's mouth. And that's where you as a Christian better be close to God. You better not be a hypocrite when you're telling others to repent and you're not repenting. You see, Jesus calls us to repent first so that we can share what Jesus has done in our life, in our repenting with others and call them to repent. If we're not repenting first, we are the biggest hypocrites in the world. And too many of us are big hypocrites. And that's why the world looks at us and laughs because we're not willing to repent first. So we must be willing to repent first and foremost. And then sometimes you will be called judgmental. You will be called names. But if you have repented, if you are right with God, expect it because that's what happened to him. But don't be a hypocrite. Our society accepts certain sins that must be repented of and stopped practicing. There's many things that when I came to Christ as a baby, I didn't even know I needed to repent of. I didn't even know it was sin. But as I grew in Christ, as I understood his mind on matters, I knew I needed to repent of certain things that I didn't even know were sin. And that's where a lot of us are. We keep repenting, keep repenting. But we call others to repent. If you're here today and you're having sex outside of marriage, it doesn't matter if you love that person or not, I call you to repent because that's not God's mind on the matter. If you're a gossip, a glutton, if you're prideful, arrogant, spiteful, deviant, maybe you're a child molester, a homosexual, maybe you're queer, maybe you're a racist, maybe you show partiality, maybe you're a liar, maybe you're a thief, maybe you're lazy, maybe you're greedy, and I could go on and on and on. Those are to be repented of. Because God's mind does not affirm those things. Jesus came over 2,000 years ago paying the price for mankind's sin. The death that he took paid for the sins 
of those who would believe. Romans says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is good news for those who are sinners that have repented. We offer this message free and without compulsion. Jesus tells his disciples who their people were and what their message was. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Then he tells them not to take, the third P, provisions with them. This is what he says in Matthew 10, 8b. You received without paying, give without paying, without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper from your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or staff, for the labor deserves his food. See, back in the day, philosophers would go around towns and peddle their knowledge to people, and they would require a payment before they could come in and listen to them. Jesus is saying, that's not us. That is not us. This is a free gift. This is a, a knowledge that people should have without paying. And you know what, disciples? You didn't pay for it. Give it freely. But he also says, I will take care of you. I will take care of you. You know what? Because if you're laboring, you are worthy of some food. He also, Jesus also knew that those who would come to Christ, those who would believe in him that would repent would be a people, a giving people, a generous people to those who had delivered the message. Isn't that one of the things the gospel does in our life, it makes us a generous people, or it should. Because Jesus gave freely, we give freely. When people accept the gospel, they realize what a precious gift that gospel is. They realize how precious it is. And they would be willing to give everything up and go buy a field that had that gospel in it. Jesus taught a parable about that. This puts the prosperity gospel on its head, and I could go on and on about that, but I'm not today for sake of time. Too many preachers are in it for the money, for what they can get out of the people fleecing the flock, fleecing the people who watch on TV. Jesus is saying that's not what this is about. It's about giving freely. Giving freely and not worrying about where your food's gonna come from because I will provide. Many people are gonna reject this message and I think if I'm going into a town and I've got an offensive message of repent, I'm thinking, Jesus, let me have a few things to take with me just to survive. But that's not what he has. He said, I want you to rely on me. So we've got a people that Jesus sends us to. 
We've got a proclamation to proclaim to those people that Jesus sent us to, which is the gospel. Repent and believe. And we know he has a provision for us. Wherever he sends us, he will provide. The last P, which is probably one of the hardest P's, is pronouncement. Listen to verse 11 and on. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if, they, if it is not worthy, let your peace return to it. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust of your feet. When you leave that house or town, truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Who remembers what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah? They got destroyed. Destroyed. Jesus is saying, it will be better on the day of judgment for that town who was destroyed than for you who reject this message. What does that mean for us today? That means every one of us, every one of us outside these walls have a morality code. Something we believe is right and something we believe is wrong. We all believe things are right and things are wrong. We all believe something about what's acceptable. And Jesus is saying, you have to understand my mind on the matter, whether something's right or something's wrong. You see, you can be really cool with some people. You can be cool with them. They can be cool with you. But then they think you're talking crazy talk. Sometimes when you tell him God's mind on a matter. I know some people that I've told you need to not live together because you're not married. And God desires from the beginning of time, and I can show scripture that when two people live together and are having sex, they need to be married because that's God's design. That's the way he's done it. Man, you're talking crazy. What? Or any other. I'm pregnant, and I, I'm not pregnant, I, but, and I can't afford this baby, so I'm going to have an abortion. Every baby is made in the image of God. You cannot murder a baby because you can't afford it. Man, you're talking crazy. It's societally accepted. What are you talking about? There's a number of issues, a number of things that we could talk about and spend all day talking about that one person's going to say it's okay, the other person's going to say it's wrong. And a number of issues. And I don't have time to go into all those. But what do you do when you come across conversation with family and it's completely against God's word? Do you call them to repent? What do you do 
when you're talking to a coworker at lunch and they talking crazy talk and they think you're talking crazy talk. You call them to repent. What do you do when you're talking to your neighbors? You see, most of us think our good works will gain us the afterlife of heaven. Jesus says, no, all your own righteousness is filthy rags. Don't come to me with that junk because that's what it is, junk. Come to me with my righteousness because you fully understand who really is righteous and it's not you. But man, I'm righteous. I don't do what that other guy does. We play that comparison game, don't we? I, I Honestly, I think I'm more righteous than some of y'all in here, and then I think some of y'all are probably more righteous than me. I don't know. Like Joe over there, I think he's probably more righteous than me. <laughs> I don't know, though. Maybe not. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because both of our righteousness is filthy rags, the Bible says. It's Jesus' righteousness that counts. That's the only righteousness that actually matters. Jesus says, be born again, repent, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Acts 2.38. Jesus says, if they don't accept this, shake the dust off your shoes and move on. Now, back in the day, they would travel through some really dusty areas. I don't know how they did it with sandals or whatever they had on. But they would travel through some dusty areas. And they would go through with some dusty people too. And these people were not the best people. So when they came to their area, the common practice was, we don't want that old nasty dust on us from those people. They would knock the dust off their feet before they walked in their town. So Jesus is using this visual for his disciples going, listen, they're not going to accept the message. Shake the dust off your feet and keep it moving. Now, this takes discernment. This takes discernment. But we will never argue anyone into the kingdom of God. You will never argue anyone into the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit does that work. All you need to do is be faithful proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. But on the flip side, you will never kind anyone into the kingdom of God. You can't be kind enough that they will become a Christian. So what do you do? When I preached Matthew 7 few months back, verse 6 says this, Do not give the dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. This is talking about people who espouse false ideas about who God is, and they practice false ideas. It's... Crazy to sit there and argue with a pig and put some pearls around its neck and think it's going to become intelligent and be able to act straight in your kitchen. A pig's a pig. Jesus is saying, don't cast your pearls before these pigs. It's kind of
kind of some harsh language, is it not? Some really harsh language. It's kind of kind of harsh to say, dust your feet off and keep it moving. What is he saying? He's saying, if they're representing me wrongly, keep it moving. They've heard the gospel, keep it moving. If they're antagonistic to the gospel, keep it moving. And I like a challenge. Like, I want to go to the, the Affirmation Church in Royal Oak and preach the gospel right in the middle of it. But Jesus is saying, Cleet, what are you doing? Keep it moving. They got the Bible. They're representing me wrongly. They're crazy. Of course, they would think I was crazy talk going in there. But dust your feet off. You see, in our modern day thinking, we think, you know what Jesus wants from me? And this is going to be more noble because I'm a real Christian. I'm going to go to the hardest places. And Jesus is saying, I want you to go where I'm doing work. Where I'm already doing work. Now, how do we know that unless we're engaging with people? But there's certain people I've had to shake the dust off my feet and keep it moving. Keep it moving. There's nothing more than what the devil wants to do is bog you down with somebody that's antagonistic to the gospel, that knows the gospel, and that rejects it, but wants to argue. So what do we do? We've got a people that Jesus specifically is calling each one of us to. Your family, your neighbors, your workplace, where you recreate, whether you play ball or the gym or play golf or kayak. Jesus is calling those people to hear the gospel from our mouths where we do life. He has a message and too many times we soft pedal that message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I realize as I turned 51 this year, I don't have that many more years left. I'm on the downside of the slope. Unless I hit 102, I'm not at the peak. And I ain't going to be 102. <laughs> I realize time is fleeting for my life and for your life. Time is fleeting. How old are you, Arpeth? 33. You're halfway through. I mean, I'm not... I'm not prophesying your death at 66, but you realize how close we all are. Time is fleeting. People, proclamation, provision. Stop worrying. Stop going after those things that the world says are important, like provisions. Jesus does say, I'll take care of you. The birds, I take care of them. The flowers, I take care of them. Why would I not take care of you? And then be willing to pronounce judgment upon those who reject the gospel. Walk away. And this does, like I said, take discernment, knowing when, but shake the dust off your feet and stop trying to argue people into the kingdom of heaven, but also Stop trying to be so kind that you think that's what's going to win them to the kingdom of heaven. So who are your people? 
Who are you proclaiming the gospel to? What gospel are you proclaiming? Might need to reevaluate that. Calling somebody just to come to church is not proclaiming the gospel. They may hear it when they get here. And that's a good thing. But the gospel is proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you thanking you for your word. God, I pray you would give us all, as we were once babes, as we're growing in you, that you would give us discernment of how to walk out your gospel in this life. We know your message is offensive. It offended so many people. But we also know it is beautiful to those who understand that their sins can be forgiven, that they don't have to, in their own righteousness, pay for their sinfulness. You did that. So God, I pray if anyone here has rejected you, that they would see you for who you are and follow you today. That they would understand what you did on the cross on their behalf and follow you today. That they would decide today is the day to be born again. The day is the day of salvation. So God, I pray for our church that we would be willing to proclaim the full gospel, 100 proof of it, and not shy back from just proclaiming what you have told us and not trying to do our own mission of whatever that may be.